You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train White Sox fans, Southside Sox, podcast number 126. Technically, the kickoff of Sox of Us. We sort of cheated last week. We like snuck some manager talk in because why not? Everybody else is talking about White Sox managers. Why not us? We've been like holding off, sort of. So we did like a, it's like a, a, a pre Sox of Us last week. This is the official kickoff. We have Father back from his world tour. He's sort of practicing his uh, Christmas Eve run. Father Soxivus is with us once again. Uh, that's crucial. Absolutely crucial to have Tommy Barbie with us. Tommy, uh, thank you. You made it back safely home. Um, you can wear shorts again safely or whatever. So good. Glad you're back. Um, uh, a year ago, almost a year ago to the day, we debuted our Soxivus proceedings and podcast proceedings. Uh, it was number 68, 58 podcasts ago. What the hell are we doing? 58 podcasts in a year. Oh my goodness. Uh, me and Joe, Adrian, uh, Tommy and uh, Malaki. We are all, that was just our little group. Uh, we had a bigger group writing about uh, our grievances, uh, but that was our podcast group. We have roughly doubled that here. We'll get to talk to everybody 
during the course of what will promise to be probably a long uh, Soxivus celebration. It is the Festivus for the rest of us and the Soxivus for the sorriest of us. Indeed, we are White Sox fans and man, are we mopey because we had a lot to complain about a year ago and they won 93 games. They didn't win 93 games this year. So this could go on three hours. Who knows? Promising about a one hour podcast here. Uh, so a quick introductions, but you'll hear from everybody uh, on my grid. At least we'll go Adrian Serrano returning, returning contestant, returning champion, Adrian Serrano, again, back for more grievances. Guy <laughs> likes to complain, whatever. Uh, first time. Uh, absolutely welcome. And, you know, grieving all along on podcasts, but now the official grievance podcast is Jordan Haas. Uh, of course, Father Soxibus. Tommy Barbie. He has to be. I don't even have to be. I might not be on for all these. Tommy does. Sorry, I don't care where he is. Chicago, South Carolina, uh, North Pole, Austin, Sacramento. Points on. I'm here. He has to be part of the Soxivus celebrations. Of course, half of the Indianapolis field office, you're used to this, you're used to this drill. It's Super Joseph Reeses. Again, returning champion for yet another uh, year. Uh, first time uh, contestant, uh, once again, with a, uh, with a delightful grievance and one that we <laughs> were tickled by all season long. It's Melissa Sage Wollenbach. Uh, welcome. Uh, Allie Wessel, uh, again, first time uh, participant and just but yet still chock full of grievance. So it promises to be a lively one from her on this podcast and trailing the first of my heart, Crystal O'Keefe, the other half of the Indianapolis field office and uh, returning participant, but not podcast grievance-er. So uh, welcome to your first airing of grievances on the podcast, Crystal. We are going to begin with Father Soxibus. We're going to sort of Give a chance that we are actually going to air our grievances here. Uh, some of them are connected, so we're going to do a little theme pods here and then uh, have break into a little discussion because why not? We've been talking about it all year. Let's just keep talking about it. Father Sockers, please lay, uh, lay your grievance on us because as most of these are, it's a popular one. Yeah, I mean, you know, I also have to give a shout out to Tyrone because his uh, fantastic Rick Hahn uh, grade article today uh, put it even better than i could but really rick Hahn just sucks and he he has for a long time i have probably for as long as i've been on Southside Sox, i have been bitching about roster construction the same holes in the same positions forever and this season was the year where literally all of the shit that I've been worried about came to fruition. And it's just, you know, the only saving grace for him is the fact that Tony LaRusa is that much worse that he can lay blame on LaRusa. But truthfully, Rick Hahn should be thankful for Tony LaRusa for being that much worse at his job that he was able to use him as a scapegoat because otherwise I think more people would be trying to run Rick Hahn out of town because he was just atrocious between the qualifying offer, lack thereof, for Odon to just kind of not really doing anything and winging it with Kopech to using Velasquez as your starting pitching insurance. And then just because you got lucky with Cueto, it even ended up being better than it could have been to the revolving door of bad in the outfield and just, you know, blaming it on health, but then not doing anything to address the depth or lack thereof. So top to bottom, 
you know, everybody wants to talk about how the White Sox don't spend money. White Sox are in the top 10 in payroll and are the only team on the outside looking in for the playoffs. So they spent, Jerry now has this excuse to not spend again, and they won't spend again for another 10 years, but he opened up his wallet. This is what we got. And like a true father of this, Father Soxus, you're very generous because after all, we can connect the dots. I'm going to. Rick Hahn, okay, quote unquote, hired Tony Russo. So that is a, man, that is some 3D chess there. Hiring the guy that then you can sort of hide behind like, man, I didn't do that good. I didn't do that bad a job. I'm not as bad as him. Uh, it's never his fault though. No matter <laughs> no, what, if Rick Hahn does something Tony. stupid, it is somebody else's fault. It is never Rick Hahn's fault. I don't know how he does it. Yes. And uh, filling out our Brady grid. I was hoping we might get the full Brady grid. It is uh, good vibes. Jackie Crystal, who will bring her bad vibes uh, to this podcast as well. She is part of this, uh, uh, this initial kickoff pod. Tommy let off. Joe's going next. Jackie's going to give us, she's going to air her grievance as sort of a um, connected theme here, but Joe, I'm going to let you uh, uh, hit it because Tommy has sort of the broad grievance uh, you're drilling down a little more specifically, uh, having to do a little bit more with money. It's similar, but not quite. Please air your grievance, Super Joe. Yes, happy to. Um, so they absolutely, uh, as Tommy said, they spent a lot of money. They were seventh in payroll this year across Major League Baseball. And um, yeah, I mean, that is a sufficient amount of spending. Like they should have been able to do a lot of damage with that high of a payroll combined with how amazing their farm system was just a few years ago. Now, all of those, um, all of those prospects who were propping up their ranking in the farm system have graduated from the prospect lists and are now able to help the major league squad. The problem is that over $80 million went to the following (laughs) players this year, AJ Pollock, (laughs) Yohan Moncada, Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly, Desmond Grandal, Leori Garcia, and Kendall Graveman. Those players right there combined for three Fangraphs war. That's an enormous amount of money going to almost no production right there uh, combined. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, you have to be able to spend money wisely. It's not spending on its own doesn't do anything. Um, if, I mean, if the players you're getting are not exactly solving a problem, then the fact that they have the seventh highest payroll in baseball doesn't mean a whole lot, even if it is um, paired with a, a group of players who made the farm rankings of, of the team so so high just a few years ago. Um, and, you know, the Guardians had a very, very similar payroll, in fact, to for their entire team, as the White Sox had for just those players I mentioned who accumulated a combined three Fangraphs war. And... That is very upsetting considering how handily the Guardians beat the White Sox. I mean, they didn't just win the division. They won it easily. And, yeah, that's just a major slap in the face. And, yeah, I, I never get any enjoyment out of you know, suggesting that a person should lose their job. But on the other hand, like, <laughs> it's impossible for someone to be a general manager of a Major League Baseball team and not realize that it's somewhat of a t- high turnover uh, profession and they also have to know that results are very easy to quantify so while I don't get any enjoyment 
of, you know, calling for his, you know, firing, like, I don't really feel bad either. Like he, he knows what he's getting himself into as far as, you know, his position. And frankly, yeah, there's really not much there that I can, that, I, that there is to be impressed by at this point. Yeah, Tommy, uh, all credit due Tommy. He introduced this concept to it. It provide it provided a lot of fun at the end of last year, coming off of a much happier season. And, you know, since then, Tommy, like a good host, uh, I have tried to study up all I can about the nature of Soxivus, uh, its history, uh, background, prior past celebrations. Um, so I've got pretty well versed and I've learned that uh, depression peaks uh, during Socks of a season. Uh, Kim's a little surprised to me because, you know, we want to celebrate. Uh, and Joe, you're not helping. That was a really depressing rant you just went on and it makes me sad. Now, on that note, let's drill down even further to good vibes slash bad vibes, Jackie Crestle, who immediately chose what has to be, uh, to me, I, trust me, I would have snapped it right off. It's the thing that drove me nuts before the season even started. And all those people said, oh, wait and see. Los is going to explode. The point is he could have exploded and it still would have been awful. Jackie Crystal, please take over and tell us, uh, air your grievance because it is a maddening one. Okay. So going into the 2022 season, well, let's look at our, our, our pitching rotation as it was in, uh, you know, the, uh, the end of 2021, we had Lance Lynn, G, uh, Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, uh, <laughs> uh, Carlos Rodon, and then, you know, a little bit mixed in there of uh, Michael Kopech. So Rodon was a steal coming into 2021. Um, no one expected him to have the year that he did those years prior. It, it looked like, a, you know, like a nice little Cinderella story, the redemption of Carlos Rodon. So what Rick Hahn decided to do about that was uh, rather than, um, you know, we had, we had Rodon on a one-year deal. So rather than in the off season of either trying to make a deal with him or anything, he just, he just let him walk without so much as a qualifying offer, which a qualifying offer would have been 18 and a half million dollars for one year. And Without the qualifying offer, we couldn't even get compensated with a draft pick. Like, we don't effing need any of those. I don't know if we're short on anything like right fielders or second basemen that we could have used that on. But, no, we're just going to we're gonna let him walk. Um, and as I said in the article, it wasn't for nothing. The $18 million wasn't for nothing. It's, it's so that we can do $16 million of that to pick up Craig, Craig Kimbrell's option. Um, and he was traded before the season started. Um, but don't worry because we picked up Vince Velasquez and that's going to carry us through. Um, it's just, a, I mean, I, I would say that hindsight is 2020, but it's not like everyone besides Rick Hahn didn't see this coming a 10 million miles away. Just a maddening waste of resources and talent. And I am glad for Carlos that he did well this year. He definitely won the breakup and good for him. Yeah. And good for him. Yeah. Nobody uh, wants me to bring this up, but last year I pointed out before this decision was even made, he gave the White Sox surplus value because he came back on that nickel and dime contract because the White Sox did refuse arbitration and said, okay, well, Carlos, you want to come back? 
three million. Want to come back? He's like, oh, great. Nobody else wants me. I want to come back. He gave the White Sox surplus value for this entire qualifying offer last year. I know it doesn't work that way, and you got to take advantage of that stuff when you can get it. But this guy would have been free in terms of the value, and obviously he would have been much more than free with a five-war season. Okay, general discussion on this nonsensical thread here, which is the biggest one. It really is Rick Hahn and his decisions, La Russa, a rotation, because Lord knows you can't have more than five starting pitchers. Uh, Other thoughts on this as being really the grievance of the season? Oh, for me, I thought everyone Go ahead, guys. Fire Rick Hahn out of a cannon into the sun and then fire the sun into a black hole so that I can never have to deal with his idiotic decisions ever again. Because <laughs> we haven't even mentioned the only trade at the trade deadline was for Jake Diekman, who sucked so bad. Uh, the, I mean, the one thing I'm going to say about the payroll is it's even worse that our payroll is so high. And there's nobody on the payroll making like a lot of money. It's like we're paying a bunch of like zero and negative war players to ride the pine to to be a first baseman playing the outfield, and uh, and yet the highest paid guy on the roster is Gasmani Grandal. I mean, he also sucked this year, but you, I mean, you couldn't see that. I mean, you could kind of see it coming. He's an old catcher, but. <laughs> It, it's it's baffling that we spend so much money on basically nothing. I mean, we spent eight eighty million dollars on three war, and probably most of that is Lance Lynn. <laughs> like, Some might least... say we're still mired in mediocrity. Oh. <laughs> mired, uh, mired in more than mediocrity. Pakoda Pakoda would say Yasmani Grandal was due to be the best catcher in baseball and one of the best players in baseball. So Yaz. He really failed. Uh, field. He's 35 and he's a catcher. He's got bad well, yeah. Also, Tyrone brought this up in his article today, but that roster is built contingent on every single person being healthy all of the time. There's no Thank depth you. in this roster. The Jerry Reinsdorf way. There is, there is no room for error. And baseball is a sport that goes six months of the year. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be times that people need to sit out. Like Michael Kopech wasn't going to be good for that many innings this year. There needed to be more depth in a starting or like, it's just, it boggles my mind that he's just like, well, it's going to work because these nine players are solid. And then half of them get hurt within the first two months of the year. And then what do you do? Joe Kelly started the season on the IL. You picked him <laughs> up in the off season to sit on your IL for how many months? What? For I how much money? And drill it deeper, too. He was a guy, at best, you were only going to get 50 innings out of. He had been ineffective since Boston at being able to pitch any sort of kind of low. I know we're at the um, – Rick Hunter's trying to create the perfect bullpen, right? So this is just one small piece in the perfect bullpen. Uh, but, yeah, even best-case scenario, if he didn't have a you know a, a, a impingement or whatever, uh, coming in, he wasn't going to be able to pitch in spring training – he was still only going to give you maybe 15, uh, 50 uh, innings max. Uh, we have trampled uh, Allie, uh, Adrian, and Crystal's uh, grievances a bit. But, you know, we're just – there's a lot – there's going to be a lot of seepage and leakage here because there's a lot to grieve over. So, please, the three of you, uh, uh, be patient. We, you will get your chance to uh, air eloquently. Uh, other thoughts on the general foulness that is that smug face of Rakan? I think well, the best oh. thing that he does – and it's the worst for us is 
avoid any and all blame for his biggest mistakes. Like everything, like he hired Tony, like you could say whatever you want about like, well, he didn't really want to like, but that's the magic of Rick Hahn. He is invisible and so bendy and so spineless that he can avoid any actual blame sticking to him when he's the one who built his system with five first basemen and tried to make it work. Like he's the one who spent all of his resources on bullpen. He's the one who had Tim Anderson under a really good deal and turned that into wasting all of the affordable years and now trying to win in the years when you have to pay him closer to market value. Um, and it's always somebody going to blame, well, Kenny did it or Jerry did it or Tony did it. And it's never sticks to Rick. And that's his ultimate skill. The only thing he's really good at in his job is avoiding any and all blame. It's tough on Rick. Yeah. And now uh, my grievance has been seeped into. So it's fun. We're all, we're, we're all going to take each other's and that's cool. Absolutely cool. Okay. But uh, listen, we have a long podcast, but I guess we should move on. Of course, blurt out anything you want anytime because well, that's what I do. And you let me get away with it. Uh, okay. Uh, next uh, pod before our um, break, maybe, I don't know, uh, is sort of Adrian and Crystal. They're related. We haven't heard it all from Crystal. So I'm going to let her uh, kick off uh, her thoughts and uh, air her grievance uh, because it's something that goes back to probably almost maybe our very first podcast together, Crystal, uh, wherein I believe you offered your um, uh, yoga uh, stretching trainer services. And it's something that sustains to this day and just gets worse. Yeah. So my grievance was just the gross misuse of the injured list all around. Um, it got down to just not putting guys on the injured list because we don't want to tell you that they're hurt right now, which goes back to just Rick being spineless or just being really dishonest about everything and letting players play super injured. Like we saw it all year with, we saw it with Yasmani. We even saw it with poor Larry Garcia. Like I don't want to ever give him credit, but he played like almost seven games, just clearly injured. Um, and then I know this will bleed a little bit, but Michael Kopech, they they left him in to pitch after he was clearly injured on the mound. Like, and that wasn't even the first, like they just kept leaving people in. Like, oh, you tripped and fell on the mound? Oh, you should be fine. Like rub some dirt in it mm -hmm. and get back out there. And it was just the most frustrating thing to see because we never had clear answers. We never knew what was going on like again Michael Kopech had surgery on his knee and we found out via Twitter like weeks had yep. went by when this injury had even happened we found out in the off season on Twitter that he had a successful knee surgery like yeah. they don't tell us anything they'll leave these people out there to die and they think they're healthy it's fine and when in reality and like I bring this up a little bit, actually, because I will be grading Adam Ingle's performance. And I said in that article, too, like, Adam Ingle shouldn't even be an everyday player. He should be the guy that comes in when someone's hurt or when they need to pull Luis Robert out or something. But instead, he gets like, I think it was like over two, it was like 250 at bats this season. 
because people just kept getting hurt and he just kept going in because that's the White Sox way of we've got some players. Let's just try them out here. Yeah, it was just constant dishonesty and frustration with injured players. Yeah, Major League Base uh, benches are already small uh, based on the fact we carry 13 pitchers or whatever. Um, And when two or three of those guys are already hurt, it's like, okay, Adam, if you can stand, you got to go in. I mean, there's not even options because they're not using the IL. Again, it's another punt that Rick Hahn does. And again, all of these grievances tie in, and a lot of them connect to Rick Hahn. Hey, Adrian Serrano, uh, COPEC specific, but it also connects to uh, our first group of grievances because it involves horrible planning by the front office. So as far as I can tell, the logic goes, Carlos Rodon is a ticking time bomb, so we're not going to be tied to the $18 million because worst thing about offering him the qualifying offer is that he might take it. <laughs> and we don't want to pay that much because he's not going to last all year. <laughs> but don't worry, we have another guy who's coming off of 69 innings that we think could make 30 starts for some reason that we're not really going to give you the details of. But even though we just saw Carlos Rodon die from trying to make a similar jump from no innings to full starter load, we learned nothing. Um, In the article, I've mentioned that it's not the first time they watched Carlos Rodon hit the same wall, jumping from 70 to 130 innings when he got injured before. Um, And so we all knew it. Everybody knew, like, all right, yeah, no, we all know Kopech's going to be a starter and he's got a chance to be a good one, but we all knew that, like, there's no workload in the past that makes any sense to make me believe that he's going to be there all year. So what is the plan? And the plan ended up being Vince Velasquez. Velasquez. <laughs> Hope that Dallas Keuchel can be a number five starter, and I guess he kind of was, but, like, you needed a lot more than that. Like, we could talk about uh, Johnny Cueto, but Johnny Cueto – wasn't picked up until Lance Lynn got hurt. So he wasn't the plan. He was not the plan. The plan was to ride Michael Kopech into the ground <laughs> and hopefully his corpse through the playoffs. <laughs> he didn't get that chance. And um, you know, hopefully that, you know, these injuries aren't going to pile up on him now. And every bit of worry you have about Carlos Rodon's injury history, you can absolutely look at Michael Kopech and he's not had a healthy season in quite a few years, also coming off of Tommy John a few years ago. Um, And you're already kind of, you don't know what you have in Lucas Gilito, what his long-term stretch is. You have a couple years left of Lance Lynn, who seems to be maybe past his prime. And you're really hoping on a guy being very good for a long time. And you start off his tenure as a starting pitcher by just putting him in a position to not succeed. And then Rick Hahn comes out and says, yeah, you know, we probably all could have assumed that around 120 is going to fall apart and we might be just hitting fatigue now. And like just the gall to get up and say that and having your only job be to make sure that you're prepared for that situation. And, you know, we had uh, Davis made some good starts and looked pretty good. But, like, again, I'm not giving Han any credit for that. It's just dumb luck. He they, started in Birmingham. They sit, around, yeah, they sit around and wait for dumb luck, the same dumb luck that gave them their positions and the same dumb luck that keeps them from being fired. Like, they were lucky enough to make friends with Jerry Reinsdorf. Um, and in some past life, they're being rewarded for something. I don't know. But, Going to law school. It, I, it, it, 
No, it like, you know, we knew it. Like, even Michael Kopech, I think if you would have asked him at the beginning of the year, knew he wasn't going to make it to the end of the year. <laughs> like, and nor should he have had to. He should have had a staff looking out for him to say, well, hey, we're going to try and skip a couple yeah. starts for you, Michael. If you come into the season with Carlos Rodon in the rotation, and even if Dallas Keuchel's floor drops out like he did, you then bring in Kopech into the rotation about midway through, and you're really strong going down the stretch. Instead, you decided to just leave this guy out to die. Or they could have just properly stretched him out in 21, but they refused to even do that. So that's what you get when you constantly fuck up. He ended 2021. He had the, some mysterious injuries in the middle of that year. So it just, everything compounds. Yeah, it's, it's tough. so funny how they would send Michael Kopech out there to die, as you said, uh, Adrian, and like you said, Crystal. But meanwhile in high leverage situations, we're going to leave Liam Hendricks in the bullpen in favor of Tanner Bates. It's so funny how they choose like, well, we're going to kill Michael Kopech, but we must protect Liam Hendricks at all costs. What did we pay him for? Come on. It's so mad. And and remember, remember, Garrett Crochet is supposed to be a starting pitcher at some point too. Can't wait for that to happen again. Cool, Jordan. Thanks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, and that goes back to what Crystal's uh, grievance is, is that for all of their misuse of the IL, like they pretended that they really wanted the rest guys and they rested a lot of guys a lot of times when they could have just gotten players fresh from the minors to take some reps away. But instead, uh, they just left these guys out there to fight through it while also pretending that they're going to rest people. And- yeah. It's like Rick Hahn thinks he has to pay double if Tim Anderson's only hurt for eight days and he's eligible to come back on the ninth day. He, they got to pay him like, you know, like it's a triple word score or something. There's no, what's the risk here? Uh, I understand you don't want to commit guys. Oh, don't put a guy on a 60 man uh, IL when he's back in a couple of weeks. Of course not. But you can't use it, especially in the way he, he knew the depth he had. I think he knew the depth he had. Isn't that scary? This is why Saxivus season is the most depressing of all seasons because nine people staring at you on the screen right now or talking to you on this podcast could all be better general managers than Rick Hahn. Sorry, Rick. No, you're listening. Love you, but you got to step it up for 2023, buddy. Okay, general discussion, maybe connected a little bit more to uh, injury management, uh, delusions of Kopech. What really boggles me is like, we somehow got lucky enough to still be in a division race come like after the all-star break. And so for me, when it comes to injuries, like if you potentially see yourself in the postseason, you need your guys to be 100% for however many games you're lucky enough to play in the postseason. So if somehow you found yourself still in the middle of a division race, rest those guys and give the guys that are playing in AAA a shot so that when you do hopefully find yourself in the postseason, those your regular everyday guys are ready to go. Like nothing adds up and it's never going to add up. And, and can point- we just step in for a second to, to um, acknowledge the fact that the guy who pay, played 156 games, we get to let walk away probably. <laughs> so the only guy that can stay healthy on our team because of Rick Hahn's wonderful uh, development of this team um he's gonna walk away so our best mm-hmm. and our best player so he's our best player and he's our healthiest player and poof that's just gonna be gone for next year too so that just pisses me off sorry but melissa we're covered at first base i mean we're covered 
Abreu probably would have had a better year if they rested him because he needed it at 35. <laughs> like maybe we hit more than 15 homers as the you know number three hitter in your lineup. Yep, and 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 there were times. It's like there were Triple A. Going back to the the point about like calling up some people from Triple A, it was like late August. Luis Robert was having whatever problems he was having with his hand or wrist, and it's like we've got Oscar fucking Colas like storming up the minor leagues up into triple a and it's like dude is playing well we need outfielders and you're calling up romy gonzalez lenny and sosa and it's like adam hazley adam that's all i have to say adam there was Hazley's no adam reason for him killed to play Danny Mendes. <laughs> and again at what point of that whole situation can we not consider the possibility that like the rick Hahn illuminati has a vendetta <laughs> against mike rodolfo <laughs> oh, oh Tommy, that's some red meat. I mean, see, that's just too Blake easy. Rutherford. We got to see Blake Rutherford at some point. But I mean, it's like it is ridiculous as it might sound. I just don't understand how. Like they got lucky that AJ Pollock played as many games as he did, and he was probably only motivated because he knew he was getting a paycheck next year and just wanted to make that option work out for him. But. You have an outfield collectively. None of those guys have been able to all play more than a hundred games. AJ Pollock played the second most games in his age 35 year than he had in his entire career. He never stays healthy. This was pure luck that he blasted as long as he did. But these are the types of guys that Rick Hahn gets. He invested heavily in the bullpen, but for all the faults of the White Sox as an organization, bullpen development usually is the one thing they luck into. But instead of riding that wave, and we saw some guys that got called up that probably would have been serviceable in the bullpen, they spent most of their payroll on building this expensive-ass bullpen that was either bad or injured. It, Tom, it just, none of it makes sense. Tommy, they weren't good, but the entire Charlotte Knights pitching staff are relievers. So, yeah, you just figure somebody can come up. Well, that's what happens when you don't have enough pitchers to field a minor league pitching staff, (laughs) which actually happened this year. I'm not even exaggerating. They didn't have enough pitchers in the minor leagues to properly field a rotation. That's just stupid. Two thirds of the starts by the Charlotte Knights were by guys who are not starters. I know. Two thirds. That's on Rick Hahn dropping the ball and not doing his job drafting players. That's a good time to be a reminder that uh, Michael Kopech was very good in the bullpen. (laughs) 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 And instead of uh, letting him do that and spot start, you went out and paid Graveman and Joe Kelly (laughs) to try to replace him. Adrian Toronto. I need to stop you right there because you are giving Rick Hahn an idea for the 2023 White Sox all opener pitching staff. So this is a good time to take a break so everybody can forget about that, including you guys in the White Sox front office. Forget he just said that and forget all that talk about two-thirds relievers starting in Charlotte. No, we didn't say any of that. Tommy, we're going to strike that. Maybe I'll edit it out. Uh, We're going to take a break. Uh, we have a lot more grievance podcasts for you. There are grievances to be aired. And of course, we still have to acknowledge the field. Those who did, were not able to join us in the Brady uh, squares, uh, we will acknowledge their grievances because they're entertaining, insightful, thoughtful. As always, uh, hang with us. 
oh, believe me, it's going to be worth a one minute. You sit through these SB Nation advertisements uh, to hear the second half of our podcast. Uh, Hang with us. We'll be back shortly. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody, we're back. Maybe we switched chairs. I don't know. I didn't even give uh, all my delightful guests time to run back to the green room for snacks. Uh, Good vibes, Jackie Crystal already had her Dr. Pepper. Uh, so listen, uh, all crises averted. We're back for the second half of Saxivus, the official first, I guess, of 2022 Saxivus uh, celebration. And it's not a celebration at all. Is as I put it, uh, is the um, Saxivus is for the sorriest of us, and that is us, White Sox fans, 81 and 81, baby. Uh, that championship window that's wide open. Podcast 126. I'm Brett Valentini. I've not given you my grievance yet. Maybe I won't. Maybe we'll run out of time. I don't know. Second half kicks off. Uh, we've had lively discussion so far, uh, a lot of treading on other uh, grievances, but listen, they'll all be covered and we'll all get to speak on probably every one of them. We're going to start off with uh, Jordan Haas. Uh, she is going to list out, uh, she's connected a bit. No, no, she's not at all. Uh, lone Wolf free agent grievance here, although it's one that's come up a lot and is connected to the offense of the Chicago White Sox. Jordan, what's your beef? It fucking sucked. <laughs> Good. Mic they've, drop. They've got a home run hitting team. Uh, you know, guys you expect to hit 30, 40 home runs. Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, maybe 30, 25. Jose Abreu, 30, 35 home runs. Even even Tim Anderson, you know, didn't play a lot. Maybe 20, 20 home runs. Nobody hit, nobody hit fucking 20 home runs. Like three of the the two other teams in the league that did it had 15 less wins than us the Miami Marlins and the Detroit Tigers had less less home had the only other teams that didn't have a player hit 20 home runs the 55 win Washington Nationals in 107 games of Juan Soto got 20 home runs out of him we <laughs> somehow in the the mass field of you know, the hitters park of, of, of guaranteed right field. Nobody, nobody hit 20 home runs. You can blame it on Frank Minichino all you want, because you know what? I will, because ground ball rate was through the roof singles galore. Jose Abreu hit 300. Yay. Oh, but he hit 15 home home runs. He's not, he's not a average hitter. That's Tim Anderson's job. It's not, it's not this entire team's you know mo to hit singles and for whatever reason they were all hitting singles bases loaded all the time hitting grounding into double plays doing nothing with the bases loaded the dodgers were really also really bad with the bases loaded but you know what they've won 111 fucking games it's mind-boggling the fact that if we'd hit maybe we we didn't even need to hit more home runs if we just hit like some more doubles at times to get some of them one run games a little bit closer and, and whatever we, we could have done better, but 
No, the OPS of the highest OPS on this team was like 850. And that was Jose Abreu with his 15 home runs. Eloy is the only person I will give some credit to because in 81 games, he had the second most home runs on this team. And it's like half of what he would have had in a normal season, which like makes sense. He had 16 home runs in 80 something games. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's a reasonable amount for that amount of games. But Andrew Vaughn with 17 home runs in 130 something games should have had probably closer to 30. It sucks. It's, it's, it's one of the things that made this team unenjoyable to watch because you were just watching them hit singles all day, every game and load the bases and then do nothing. I, yeah. I, I can't remember a grand slam this year. Maybe there's maybe two, but yeah. it's like, it's like the things you want to come see the white Sox where even if they sucked ass, like they did, if they were hitting some home runs, they'd be fine. Fucking Todd Frazier hit 40 home runs in 2016. <laughs> like that was a bad team. The 2018 got off of white Sox had Daniel Palka hit 27 home runs and, and Jose Abreu hit some, but it's like, it's bad. It was really bad. And I'm sad because I like home runs. You know, they lost that home run necklace. It was in the minor somewhere. And, uh, you know, maybe they just need the, the necklace back. Uh, shout out Carlos Perez, uh, Craig Dedalo, uh, I think uh, I think Mark Payton, Lenin Sosa, I believe, all in the organization hit 20 or more home runs. But none of you were with the White Sox. Uh, excellent points. The so-called home run ballpark, Sox Park, or whatever it's called now, uh, Since was it's not... Over. Yeah, since it opened in 91, in a full season, no White Sox leader has ever had less than 25. In, in 2020, <laughs> Jose Abreu had 19 fucking Yeah, that was a 60 <laughs> In the 30 games there, like anybody in this ballpark that plays 81 games, you should just luck into 25 homers. Like it's just that kind of ballpark. Like playing at Coors, but a little, a little bit worse. Paint the seats blue. Put the UFO top back on. Let's get back to the basics with Comiskey Park number two. Uh, not related, but sort of grouping you together because uh, you two were the free agents. It's Allie Wessel up next with her grievance. Uh, need to hear what she has to say. And again, we can have some unrelated, related uh, group talk after uh, Allie speaks. Uh, speak your grievance, Allie. Yeah, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but somehow the White Sox found themselves still in a division race after the All-Star break. Um, but there were obviously some holes that needed to be filled in terms of injuries. Um, it definitely needed some relief pitching and, um, you know, just just some bulking of the bench and just some there were pieces that needed to be put into place that just. I wasn't confident Han was going to do it. And um, he made one move for Jake freaking Diekman. Um, And I remember being on one of my very first podcasts where Crystal said that she talked to someone that's a Red Sox fan and they were more than happy to get rid of Jake Diekman. Um, And then he came to the South side and was below average. And I thought maybe at the deadline, Rick Hahn would have something else up his sleeve like he did last season. Um, I I was in favor of the Craig Kimball trade last year. Um, I was very shocked by that, but he didn't. And then really the nail in the coffin for me and why this is my grievance is because at after the trade deadline passed, Rick Hahn got on a presser and said, well, <laughs> you know, we really tried, what but, you know, nothing turned out. Rick Hahn gets paid oh, millions of dollars a year to do way more than try. He is paid to make moves that set up this team for success. 
Like he committed to the rebuild. So therefore he needed to be committed to the championship window. And by just getting on a mic and saying, we tried, that is such a slap in the face to not only your team, but to your fan base. Like you're not, you have to do more than try. God damn it, Allie. I do not want to know that Rick Hahn is getting paid millions of dollars a year. Please tell me that is not true. Gosh, I'll do the so job weird. for 20 bucks a week. <laughs> Literally. Hey, Allie, Literally. Let, me, let me run this past you, though. What if I told you that the White Sox have Jake Diekman for next year? Do you feel better? About no, it? Oh. I feel terrible. All right, okay, I tried, I tried. But well, we do. Eric, Eric Crochet is going to be more than a free agent acquisition. He's going to be just as good, if not better, than a free just agent. Just as good as signing a starting pitcher. Yeah, that, I mean, so, why why need a starter? I don't know. The basement I mean, for know, Garrett. I don't, I don't think we're giving Rick Hahn enough credit here. Um, just think about how much <laughs> Rick Hahn would have had to control himself and tamper down his desire to add to mega bullpen at the trade oh deadline. And he just, you know, he just did a little bit yeah. as a treat to give himself Jake Diekman. So I don't think we're giving him enough credit for his self-control yeah. in that situation. Nice. You're bringing a bad vibes there. You know, careful what you wish for. Very good, Jackie. I like that. Um, hey, and, and, a little bit of bullpen. Just as a treat. Jerry oh, yeah. yeah, the White Sox can have a little more bullpen and a little power hitting as a treat. Where where did they get power hitting at? I don't know. Imagine imagine in the out in the offseason if they'd you know, gotten a right fielder that could hit 40 home runs in his season. Like, I don't know, the uh, a player on a currently on a World Series team mm. in uh, Kyle Schwarber, or maybe a... You uh, mean the guy that could have come to the Sox repeatedly for next to nothing? That they're like, eh, no. Yeah, you know, a guy, a guy who hit a lot of home runs this year that would have sorely helped out this team a little bit, you know? They were worried yeah. about his outfield defense. Exactly, because ours <laughs> is so stout. Yeah, because he also first Jason in the outfield and call it a day because that's Gavin, the answer. Gavin Sheets is is so good in right field though that they had to not get Kyle Schwarber. We we're not thinking about this correctly. We needed Kyle Schwarber to come in and fill that hole at second base. Then I guess I, I don't know. You know, Marcus Simeon. You know, anyone anyone who got paid some amount of money to you know instead of AJ Pollock and you know all sorts of bullshit. To be fair, if you get Kyle Schwarber and Dylan Cease on the same team, Kyle could have killed Dylan Cease. I mean, they both were, they were both walking that can't go to Toronto line. So, you know, again, in the spirit of uh, Jackie Bad Vibes Prestel, you know, careful, careful what you want for just, you know. And I don't know where Kyle Schwarber was on January 6th. I'm just going to throw that out there. All right. The grievances is getting spicy. Um, Hey, and listen, I got to acknowledge it. Uh, Shout out, Soxy Chicks. Come on now. Uh, Listen, listen to that podcast and check that podcast out. Not after you finish ours. In fact, maybe watch ours twice, but then get right to Soxy Chicks. It's Crystal O'Keefe. Come on. She gets all the inside info on the Boston Red Sox and all sorts of other cool stuff. So do it. Come on. Thank um, you for that plug, please subscribe. Yes, it's all Ali Wesson. Come on. Um, okay, well, uh, listen, we're going to have plenty of um, um, free time and, and other nonsense, but let's at least wind up our uh, actual grievances among those who showed up on the Brady Squares. And I'm going to pass the baton to Melissa Sage Bolenbach, who has a similar enough vibe to mine. So we're uh, paired together. But uh, Melissa, a bit of an oddball. We sort of stacked at the end because maybe we call it sort of 
you know, maybe this is a fun one, but it actually sort of isn't. And I will uh, definitely back you on that. But uh, uh, lay down your grievance for us. So socks of us um, for this glass half empty person is like so in my wheelhouse. So I'm very excited <laughs> to be here. Um, so yeah, I wanted to take because I knew I mean, we have such great writers and thinkers at Southside Sox. I knew they'd come up with the really good ones with Han and, and the offense and all that stuff. So I wanted to take a little fun poke at um, Steve Sunshine Stone, um, because this, I was the season wasn't bad enough for us all. Um, he just took to being uh, super passive aggressive with fans. Um, he would, you know, tell people to enjoy the ride or be bitter or, you know, don't let the door hit you in the rear and adios and all these wonderful uh, little kindnesses that he was throwing the fans way. And I actually really respect Steve as a lot as an announcer, or I guess I did, because I just see this is so completely unnecessary. Um, He is one of the most prominent voices for this team. I mean, even recognized nationally um, as one of those voices. And for him to constantly be um, bashing fans who don't agree with his point of view, like let fans do their fan thing. And you mean, just put what you want out on Twitter and say what you want, but you don't have to bash fans for what they feel and what they, you know, think is right. So I guess after Steve reads our article and here's this podcast, I'm going to have to buy my t-shirt that says I was blocked by Steve Stone. Cause I'm pretty yeah, sure you, it's coming. You just got blocked. But <laughs> I, I think we're all, we've all been blocked actually for hearing you talk about. You know, <laughs> just, by association. Yeah. There, there's no way around it now. The thing I like to follow Melissa is one of the stuff, one of the things he was saying in his um, smug social media persona is he knows how the ride ends. Now I want to follow up because I don't follow him because guess what? We're going to do this in a second. Uh, show of hands. I'm blocked by Steve Stone. So I don't know. Did he tell us how the ride ends or did he just sort of bail on? Did he just, did he launch he himself out of the car? He bailed because I quote tweeted him. I had that tweet (laughs) saved and I quote tweeted him the minute they got eliminated. And I said, oh, I guess he didn't know how the ride was going to end after all. Somehow he didn't block me. I don't know if it's just because I'm not like, you know, popular enough or whatever, but he completely bailed and just kind of moved on to other stuff. But that whole thing rubbed me the wrong way too. So Thank you for calling that out, Melissa, because that I mean, was just, that was a nightmare. Tommy, Steve's just, a, he's a big Miles Davis fan. That's He can't possibly <laughs> block you. Uh, okay. All right. Show of hands. I'm blocked. Uh, who Who's not blocked? Oh my God. What? I have him blocked though. Oh man. I'm depressed. Oh, you beat him to the punch. Muted. I've muted him. him. I think I blocked him. I, I'm like, I don't want to hear from Steve Stone, no matter what. I'm going to block yeah, beat him to the punch. He blocked me over Trevor Bauer, so I, I'll, listen, I'll fall on that sword every every time I'll fall on that sword. I'm yes. blocked um, by I... Trevor Bauer and his agent, <laughs> so there's I'm that. Feel... <sighs> I'm like though, like right? a, a SpongeBob meme a little bit where like the, you have the wimpy looking SpongeBob as like Steve Stone on Twitter and then the muscular SpongeBob as as Steve Stone as a color commentator. I feel like that's that that's how I would describe Steve Stone. That's perfect. I think we perfect, need that Joe. as a shirt. <laughs> okay, Adrian. Uh man. Comcast Sports Chicago like 
Chuck Garfine and Ozzie Guillen also got pretty sassy on Twitter this season too. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't just Steve. So I do mm-hmm. find it like a little weird that they got super defensive. Like Ozzie Guillen just went on a blocking spree today. So Gordon like, Beckham has no purpose with the White Sox. So, sorry, Allie. No purpose with the White Sox. And he was giving people noise. He was like doing like, because he was, he, I guess he felt he needed to, because he was seven for Steve Stone. He was giving people noise. What's going on with this? Interesting. Oh, this is why that. Jason Benetti is the best announcer in baseball is because he isn't petty. He's a, he's, he's, he's a good guy. And he makes he fun of Steve you. for doing what he does. I have friends that follow other teams. And so I was just having a conversation with them. I'm like, are your an- announcers and team reps, are they passive aggressive? Tor-? I mean, I, I couldn't find any other friend <laughs> who completely dislikes the, the people who work for them and they announce the, their games because they're mean to them. Like, I, I just think this is like a very unique thing. I could see that in Philadelphia because that's like a love language. But other than that, I, it makes zero sense. Um, and I, I don't really understand the strategy of just like, Hey, we're terrible and we're just going to make the fans lives a living hell because we can't support the product. Just doesn't make like a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I don't want to bring up bad memories for uh, Tommy as a father Soxus, but I mean, maybe you can maybe you can at least acknowledge it was just a few years ago. Uh, you were in Philadelphia as father Soxus, and they were throwing like snowballs and batteries at you, right? I mean, they they just do not they just do not embrace no, yeah, the, yeah, the goodness. You love to climb poles, though. <laughs> Grease them up. That's true. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, I have a grievance and it's something that has come out again, as many of yours have during the course of the year. Uh, It's something that no one, I guess, selected, although Melissa was getting pretty darn close. And that's just that visage of Rick Hahn sitting in the dugout mid-season, just the smugness, the fan shaming, the fact that this is something that you know, Steve, okay, Steve isn't the general manager of the team. I think he fancies himself that and certainly at one time would have wanted to be. Uh, but the notion that we're to be talked down to, we're, I mean, this, the, the idea that what came up at, uh, uh, during, <laughs> during the rebuild, because Robin now <laughs> at Reggie's a few years back, which by the way, as, as I think Ali acknowledged there, uh, the rest of the, um, the NBC sports crew just jumped in on and egged uh, Han on, not that he can't, you know, account for himself. Uh, the whole thing about people rooting for the rebuild to fail really marked a, a difference in sort of the relationship I think fans have with this team, or certainly the team seems to have with us as fans and seeing it even peak this summer and really go throughout the year, because at the end of the year, I think uh, Joe or others have mentioned this, uh, um, maybe Tyrone's piece today, where even given the opportunity to uh, mea culpa just a little bit uh, in his uh, end of the season press conference, Han wouldn't do it. He's, he decides it's, it's cooler to talk about the fact that just a couple of years ago, people were talking about us for executives. Who, I don't know, Rick, who are you talking about for executive of the year? Talking about us as executive of the year. And now suddenly we're all supposed to lose our jobs. Jeez. Imagine that. I mean, put your monocle back on uh, Rick. I mean, you're a general manager of one of the 30 teams in major league baseball. And the idea that uh, it gets turned on us as fans for, for just wanting basic information. I think this is something crystal alluded to just wanting the basics. You don't have to, you don't even have to be honest, but you can provide information. I mean, hockey teams do it all the time. 
upper body injury is better than um, Luis Robert. I mean, they're letting Ozzy Guillen joke about uh, Luis Robert being drunk because he's got vision problems. Uh, this team is in shambles and it is somewhat by design. And that's, what's the most heartbreaking as a fan. Uh, I dare say even uh, Melissa, a longer a stretching back longer than you. In fact, for most of you longer than you've been alive, it is heartbreaking. Uh, the fact that the white Sox are now a joke, we can all sort of chuckle about based on this last decade, which it's sort of hard not to joke about them because we've been in a 10 year rebuild, uh, it's heartbreaking. This is not what the White Sox were. This is what maybe the other team in Chicago was. Um, but even they had moments of highs that the White Sox couldn't always imagine, certainly have in this century. Uh, the idea that now it's changed and we're all wearing a little bit different uniform and we're forced now to take these slings from the team we're rooting for is a bad turn. And I really, really recommend they try their best. I don't know if they can do it without changing personnel, including Rick Hahn, but they have got to change that from the little things, the things we consider sort of cute and sort of creepy weird. And I guess I'm the only one blocked, so we shouldn't complain too much. Steve Stone being sassy on Twitter because it's so cute uh, to Rick Hahn, the, the real, the voice of the team, which is frightening, but the voice of the team dissing us at a number of turns. This is just a one thing at Reggie's when he's like getting sort of like high, you know, the, the, the audience is egging him on or whatever, or his guys on the stage are egging him on. I mean, he's doing this very deliberately and very directly. And it's just a creepy turn. It's not really what I'm a, 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 about as a White Sox fan. And this is really the first year during the course of the season, certainly at the conclusion of the season, I thought, what am I doing? And I mean, granted, there's been plenty of opportunity. This isn't the worst season the White Sox have had. But when you have to ask, this doesn't even feel good. I don't mind the bad record. I do, but I, okay, it's a bad record. I'm not sure I like being a Sox fan. Can I put the uniform on with the same um, pride or, I don't know, um, willingness to just con myself as I have in the past? And it's just not feeling right. That's my grievance. Uh, I went on longer than I should have. But uh, okay, this is... Um, uh, I guess uh, let's speak specifically to maybe what what uh, both I and, and Melissa had said about sort of this weird adversarial attitude the White Sox now have taken toward um, toward fans, maybe even their own players. That's a really interesting point because you know going back historically, I I remember even when Kenny Williams was the GM and he would complain about you know. Fans aren't showing up to games and it's hard to increase the payroll if fans aren't showing up and thinking about all of the goodwill that the White Sox organization tried to build in to get that fan base and whether it is the front office, the announcers attacking fans or even something as seemingly minor, but you know, like the goose head being taken out of the stadium and the stadium environment becoming more and more corporate it it I've never seen a team consciously take away all of the things that made it recognized and embraced by its own fans. And it's to me, it's interesting because I, I do remember it wasn't that long ago when you couldn't pay people to go to a White Sox game. And it's just like it's a very slippery slope between. You can be angry, but Rick Hahn hasn't done anything to, you know, offset all of the angst that has been thrown his way. And if you're just going to start alienating people in the process, I, I don't see how that does any good either. The contention window's open, Tommy. I don't know what you want. Uh, other thoughts on the adversarial relationship 
Yeah. Hey, I, mentioned, I mentioned it in the article, but it's like the White Sox way at this point to just walk around with this fake, not unearned bravado yeah. of like they act like they're the Dodgers that like yeah. they had the success, but we're always right there. You know, we're really trying, but like you didn't even make, you know, you couldn't even win your division after your World Series title. Like you clearly like luck played a big role in it. Like yeah, it worked, and we're all glad to have it, and it was an amazing time. But like it wasn't really an earned, you know, world series. Like some of these other teams churn and really, you know, from the top down in their organization work to make things successful. Like it kind of worked out for them. And as proof that they really don't know what they're doing, they've not been able to even recreate that dumb luck. Like they just continue to roll the dice out there every year and say like, ah, maybe, maybe if everything works just perfectly, it'll happen again for us. But in the meantime, let's act like we deserve credit for what we're doing when all you're doing is guessing like you could just roll dice like you could not pay somebody to be in this position and have these decisions made in a similar manner i don't know that a single uh mirror exists at guaranteed rate field um (laughs) and and like brett i want i'm wondering who han was referring to when he was trying to tout himself as exactly oh people in the media are talking about executive so my guess it's either got to be Bob Nightingale or Dave Kaplan because uh, I don't know who else would have. <laughs> you know, they're they're thing. also just really cocky for fans to like hate them because all season we had the fire Tony chance, people booing players off the field for poor performances, and they're still sitting there just smug like I don't really care. I'm still getting paid. If you don't want to come, don't come, and. So it's just really cocky because yeah. fans really turned against them, especially this year. They're all I, I, I have an opinion and it might be biased because, you know, we're White Sox fans, but the Sox being adversarial to their fans like this isn't good for the game of baseball as a whole, to be honest. Like, if you think about it, it's like we've got we've had. I'm going to say had because we it was not yet next year and we haven't seen them be good again, but it's like. We had a really fun team last year and in 2020. We have Tim Anderson, one of the more popular players in baseball and one of the more fun players to watch in baseball. And you're alienating not only our fans, but people who just like want to come and watch a White Sox game. And they're like, oh, yeah, these fans aren't showing up. But the people who do are like really invested in this team. And you're turning them away. You're turning the hardcore fans away for what? Literally nothing at this point. It's like you're you're turning away fans that are going to give you engagement on social media. That's going to make your players more popular and make you more money. And it it seems like the wrong attitude to be taking towards a fan base. And you don't see... I don't think you see any other team in baseball looking looking like this. Maybe I'm maybe the Rockies, but it's more their decisions than their actual like what they're saying about the team. But it's it's not it's like the kind of thing where it's like if there if there were a third team in Chicago, if there were a third baseball team in Chicago, I would seriously be considering being like, hey, I mean, I don't want to watch the Cubs, but I also don't want to watch the White Sox because they're kind of being dicks about it to the fans. It's not cool. It makes us feel bad. Let's be I, honest. I just want to watch a team. If there were a third like. team in Chicago, the White Sox would move. <laughs> they're not going to keep fighting. <laughs> 
Well, in 2020 and 2021, I was consistently getting pissed off that like the MLB wasn't talking about some of our players, like, like you mentioned, like Tim Anderson Mm -hmm. and Luis Robert, like, you know, they stick to their Dodgers and their Yankees and like giving them all of this press. And yet we had these players that were doing all of these amazing things. And I was like, why are we not getting the same level of recognition? And now with the way that, you know, Rick Hahn is treating fans and treating this organization like it's a really big slap in the face and to be honest I don't want national recognition right now because it would just be in it would it would be embarrassing and I don't want to have to try to explain that to someone and I don't think Rick Hahn or the rest of the ownership wants to try to explain that to someone again unfair we did have national exposure this year when Tony fell asleep in the dugout (laughs) and when he twice twice walked someone intentionally with a one and two count we did get national press it was to be a laughing stop though yeah it's hard when that that person had to yell at tony to make adam pin yeah Yeah, i think think for the most part like sports fans we we have a forgiving nature right because you cut you have to like in order to come back year after year after year and like i want to do that but i like don't even feel like I can because of the angle that they take coming at us and doing something like canceling socks fest. It's like, mm-hmm. they just, it's like, they, they, I mean, they honestly, it's like, they seriously just don't care. And it's like, well, why should I be a forgiving person and continue to invest um, in this team, my time and my energy, if like, there's no give whatsoever and no responsibility on the other side. Yeah, the White Sox have turned into the Rob Manfred of Major League Baseball. Yeah, I was going to say it's a double win now because we have to feel bad for watching the product on the field and then also be made fa- be made to feel bad by the team for caring. For sure. <laughs> Your team and is bad. Manfred you should feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know, like, us as fans have all of these grievances with the team and with especially like a lot of these are Rick Hahn related and front office related. Like, I truly wonder what the players think. And the like, same thing. How, yeah, but like they can't speak out about it. And then when they're asked about it, they have to give this like general answer of like, oh, well, everything's fine. Like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, I just, you, it's getting to a point now where like I as a fan am frustrated with the front office. Like, I almost am starting to feel bad for the players that they have to deal with this. Like, I'd be happy to see some people get traded so that they could just be in better environments. I mean, not to go too far into it, but keep in, like, think about how many clubhouse issues there have been over the last decade and the team has had a lot of changes, you know, like one could argue that the whole rebuild started because it was people that couldn't get along, AKA Eaton, Chris sale. And that's what really started this whole rebuild. And now you're back in a situation where there's talk about issues with clicks and the same type of stuff that was a problem before. So I think all of the chaos and just general dysfunction within the organization it definitely is impacting the clubhouse tommy and ali you're telling me you don't believe that tim anderson and tony Russo were tight come on he told us come on you don't trust that come on but let me get to some other grievances um uh those who unfortunately could not be with us to celebrate <laughs> celebrate as much as this has been a celebration number 126 has been uh delia ritchie and i believe at least in spirit lenny gore uh, her grievance is the goose. It's been acknowledged. The goose being removed. The curse of the goose. White Sox. Think about it. Just put something else there. Don't have to be a goose. Just put something else there. What are you doing? Put a big uh, Miller Lite there. 
Dante Jones um, with the the uh, his was a version of of what's been tossed around here, and that is just the completely crapping out on uh, actually picking up a second baseman in a second base rich uh, free agency, and not really doing that. Although you know, all respect Josh Harrison, but Josh Harrison, uh, Trooper Galactus, uh, basically uh, again similar related. Uh, White Sox being hamstrung for 2023 based on moves like Jake Diekman and AJ Pollock for 2022. Oh, and the bullpen, the mega bullpen. Uh, uh, Malachi uh, Hayes with uh, the first baseman in the outfield. I mean, what does she need to say except drop the mic and run far away? Uh, Brian O'Neill basically setting the tone um, for a weird season by dicking around with Lucas Giolito over, what was it, $50,000 in arbitration? It was not, you know, come on. It was a bunch of churros. Come on, White Sox. Uh, and uh, uh, Christina um, Erdo, uh, she, her initial one was a little too close to what Jordan come up with. So she shifted over to just generally actually throwing a little bit of attention, which is fair on the roster, the regression of the team, because let's face it, we can complain about Han and lose all we want. The team did not show up. It's all related team to not show up to play in uh, 2022. Um, we do have additional Saxivist celebrations more than last year. I believe it is a full two months and Tommy Barbie is regretting committing to being on each one of these podcasts. But God bless you, Father Saxivist. We need you here. Uh, and two, uh, two of the new ones come from uh, new members of the Saxivist crew and new to the podcast here. Uh, Melissa came up with the idea of uh, something involving sort of gifts, gifts we would give to the White Sox. So that's going to come probably very close to the holiday season. And uh, Jordan Haas came up with the uh, the idea of sort of like weirdest, best, ugliest, something that came up a lot here today, uh, uh, tweets, um, uh, statements, uh, comments. And uh, believe me, we're all going to come up with some real juicy ones because there is a lot of bulletin board material this year provided for about the White Sox a little bit too. Boy, Cleveland had fun taunting the White Sox after they won. Imagine that you're celebrating your division and you take out a lot of time to taunt the team that was supposed to win. Weird, but I guess also sort of uh, understandable. Um, Next up, I believe, Father Saxibus, I think next on the docket is feats of strength. And believe me, though I've studied and studied and studied, and I have understood now that Saxibus is a very depressing season, and, you know, just stay chipper, listen to our podcasts and try to stay chipper listening to them. Can you explain what feats of strength will be, if that indeed is what we're doing next week, Father Saxonus? I believe it is. And the feats of strength is where we will take all of this anger and frustration and turn it into something positive that we can look for next year whether it's overthrowing Rakan or firing him into the sun and then firing the sun <laughs> elsewhere, whatever it might be, <laughs> we will find a way to convert this into some sort of super human strength because I think we'll need it to get rid of Mr. Seat at the Table and all <laughs> of the follies that have followed suit. Tommy, I think we lost Rick Hahn's listenership next week because That's I think okay. he knows what's going to happen. That's I think he right. knows what's going He can block me too. <laughs> I, I'm fine with it. Um, other thoughts? I guess we have a little bonus time. Other thoughts on what we've heard um, today? A, a, a grievance that stands out, one that you wish that you would have said. Believe me, I, I, I would have taken the Carlos uh, Rodan QO uh, uh, because that makes my head explode uh, still, Jackie. But uh, other final thoughts as we wind up uh, airing our grievances. 
There was. I would have definitely taken Adrian's had he not already claimed mm-hmm. it because that was probably my most frustrating thing this year. And Crystal, that's your guy. Come on, that's your guy. Yes, there was one point about the Sox Fest being canceled, which, by the way, that was an excellent piece on it, Melissa. I just want to discuss it a little bit more. Well, what were these several factors? I, I'm very, very curious. And couldn't they have done like something and just not had there be panels with Rick Hahn? Because obviously that would be a disaster. Everyone knows that. Like, I mean, there's no way around that. But I mean, they they could do Socks Fest and get fans money and not just not have a time for fans to interact with Rick Hahn, right? And get, at least give them a chance to you know have fun and interact with each other, right? Like, I yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm but that statement about it being canceled due to several factors <laughs> I, I i don't get it it was a very very strange statement and incredibly vague so i don't know about that one <laughs> yeah that's my off-season goals as i'm in, i'm in search of the various factors see if we can write an article about it we found them the various yeah. factors we found yeah. them the many moves of Rickon. the many it moves. all loops back to there's no accountability They are cushy comfy in their offices and know that they are not going to be ejected from their positions until we do it for them. Yeah. This is the extension of uh, Steve Stone blocking everybody is now the White Sox have blocked all of us. Yeah. (laughs) My, my biggest question is how did, how did, how did someone get the Jerry or whoever to get the, change the bulls front office because how the hell did that even happen and we can't get literally anything well that was well in bonus time too so we're we are getting there but you're right it's going to be like five years past the time it should have happened and which is what happened with the bulls let's let's be honest when we remember that so yeah it's coming it's just it's going to be it's going to be too late Luis Roberts going to play for San Francisco, you know, whatever it's going to be too late, but uh, it's going to happen Uh, before we run out of time. Let's, uh, uh, let's wind this up. Listen, we are doing, uh, probably we would have done a Sox Fest uh, podcast and we might still, uh, we're going to try to do, uh, obviously every Sunday we're doing uh, Sox of this, uh, festivities. Uh, Tommy Barbie so lucky, lucky to have committed the way he does. I'm going to keep taunting about it, which means he's going to be here for all of them. And I love it. Uh, but probably, you know, maybe during the course of the week, we will do one, you know, obviously when the manager's named, <laughs> if the manager's name, maybe they just don't have a manager this year. Uh, you know, we'll obviously do a podcast. Maybe we'll do still, still do a, a Sox Fest podcast. Cause this is a topic that we really buried at the bottom of this at the end of this podcast that is is worth talking about and related to some of our grievances as well but for now again this is the uh the festivus for the rest of us and the uh saxivus for the uh, very sorriest of us white Sox fans thank you for joining us thank you for watching reading oh the article is delicious go get it uh as always uh, without you we can't celebrate saxivus with with anybody so on behalf of the crew thanks we'll be back in a week with more saxivus 